0: Peter Marshall was the chaplain of the United States Senate in 1947. He woke up early one morning complaining of chest pains. His wife, Catherine Marshall, immediately called for an ambulance. And In the biography of her husband, she later wrote a book called A Man Called Peter, She recorded the words of her husband as the emergency technicians were taking him out of their home on a stretcher. He looked up at her and he says, darling, I'll see you in the morning. By 8.30 that morning, Peter Marshall had gone to be with the Lord. Left as a widow at 34 years of age with a young child, Catherine Marshall would come to understand that her husband's promise to her was still true. He would see her in the morning, just in the morning in heaven. Her book about those experiences became an inspiration to millions, as did another novel of hers you might be familiar with, the novel Christie, describing her mother's experiences as a young school teacher in the Smoky Mountains. Well, this Sunday, we celebrate the event that changed everything. That could give a young 34-year-old now left alone to raise her child reason for hope. That could give 11 men the courage to share a message that would change the world. In fact, it is an event that changes your life this morning. After telling his disciples that he was soon to go to the cross, Jesus wanted them to understand that the cross was not the end of the story. Here's what he told them in verse 22. So with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take Away your joy. Folks, the resurrection changes our grief into joy. Fact is, we all have grief. We all have sorrow. The disciples, as you will recall, have been on a roller coaster of emotions during these last several days that are represented here. In the Gospel of John, they had seen the blind given sight. They, they had watched as the deaf were made to hear. They'd seen demons cast out. They'd seen a dead man come back to life. It was amazing, to say the least. And they shared some low points, too. The Pharisees and the religious leaders were always trying to trip them up. And they'd heard warnings that going back to Jerusalem would be catastrophic. And yet, here they were traveling toward that very destination. And first, it seemed Great! Beyond anything they could have imagined. As they entered Jerusalem, it didn't seem to be dangerous. It seemed to be a celebration. The people welcomed Jesus as a conquering king. But the disciples' excitement quickly turned to dismay as Jesus gathered them together and said, We're going to celebrate Passover this week, but it will be the last time that I will celebrate with you during my earthly ministry. He went on to share with them how he would be arrested and how it would be one of them, one of the twelve, who would betray him. And then Jesus gave them the glorious promises that we've been reading these last couple of weeks. About how he would send his Holy Spirit to be with them. But in that same teaching, he described to them how the world would hate them just as much as the world had hated him. There was so much in what Jesus was saying. So many wonderful things and yet so many terrible things. They didn't know what to think. And Jesus recognized their confusion. Verse 19, Jesus saw that they wanted to ask Him about this, so He said to them, Are you asking one another what I meant when I said, In a little while you will see Me no more, and then after a little while you will see Me? I tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. The words that Jesus uses Describe an incredible sorrow. The word that's translated as grief, it's more than just a time of mourning. It's a time of complete devastation. It would be as if the world came crashing down upon them. And literally that was going to be true. As they went through this horrible time of sorrow, they would look out into the streets of Jerusalem and see people celebrating the fact that Jesus' life had come to an end. It was going to be horrible. In fact, they could not have even begun to fully understand what they were about to face. In just a few short hours, these very same people who had welcomed Jesus with shouts of Hosanna would be crying out to crucify him. The disciples had promised to stand with Jesus to the very end. But they would run away in terror when the Roman soldiers came to arrest him. They would listen from the back of the crowd to the travesty of a trial that Jesus would go through. They would watch as Jesus was paraded through the street like a common criminal. Then they would hear the hammer's blows as the nails were driven through his hands and through his feet. And then they would watch. Jesus, this one they had followed as the Messiah, the Anointed One, they would watch as his life ebbed away, and they would hear his final words, and they would see his body taken off of Calvary, placed in a borrowed tomb. They were done. It was over. Maybe you've been there. You didn't just get the wind knocked out of you. All the oxygen in the room felt like it was taken away. Maybe it was a doctor's diagnosis that came out of the blue. Maybe it was someone that, that you had trusted who broke that trust Maybe it was a pink slip on your desk on Monday morning. Maybe it was another Friday wondering, how in the world am I ever going to get enough energy to come back here next week? You were done. You were tired. You were exhausted. It felt like the world had collapsed upon you, and you could not take another step. You looked at the past, And all you saw was heartache. You looked at the future and all you could see were questions. Maybe you've been there. Well, you're in good company. Some fellas named Matthew, John, Peter, Thomas. They felt that same way as they looked up on that cross. And they watched Jesus die. Like a fellow named Saul, who was blinded by the very one he was trying to destroy on a road to Damascus, like Silas, thrown in jail just because he was trying to share some good news. Maybe you've been there, wondering, well, what do I do now? Not knowing what the future holds can be the worst part of that type of situation. Well, there's a lot of things we don't know about the future. But if you know Jesus this morning, here's one thing you can know. When you know Jesus, no matter what you're experiencing right now, joy is coming. It was so important, so significant for the disciples to understand that Jesus said it twice. He says it in verse 20 and then he says it again in verse 22. He says, so with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. Jesus doesn't negate the fact that they were going through a time of confusion, that they were about to go through a time of deep sorrow and grief. He doesn't say that's not going to happen. He not pat them on the head and say, oh, it's going to be okay. It was going to be real. It was going to be horrifically difficult. But He wanted them to understand something else. It was temporary. In verse 21, He compares... What they were about to go through to the experience of childbirth. Verse 21, he says, A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. A mother goes through terrific Agony in the process of childbirth. And remember, Jesus is describing a time before there were hospitals, before there were birthing rooms, before there was epidurals, and all those other wonderful things. But that agony turns to joy when that new baby arrives. I've never given birth personally. I've been there for a few But the fact that there are households with more than one child illustrates that what Jesus is saying is true. (laughs) The joy of a new child far outweighs the agony of birth. Jesus wanted the disciples to understand the agony that they were about to experience was going to be terrible. But it would be completely overshadowed by the joy of the resurrection. And that's what we're celebrating this morning. That's why we're singing. That's why we're praying. That's why we're rejoicing together. This world has so much grief, so much sorrow, hatred, injustice, hunger, disease. It just goes on and on and on. What happened that first Easter Sunday morning? Brings joy. Joy. We can live in joy. Because we know what the future holds. The sorrow that we face in this world is temporary. The joy... We know in Jesus, that's eternal. So spread some joy this week. You are surrounded by people in grief. Some you know about the grief they're going through. Some you have no idea. They put on the happy face but inside their heart is breaking. They desperately need joy. And if you know Jesus this morning, you have it. So share it. Whether you offer ministry to someone, whether it's just a kind word, whether it's a verse of Scripture that's been helpful to you, let them see the joy You have in Jesus. Heavenly Father, this is a day we celebrate joy. Help us to share that joy. When we know the Lord, we we recognize the tragedies, the heartaches of this world. They're only temporary. They're a passing thing. They're but a blink of the eye in the face of eternity. What we know because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ cannot be taken away. So Heavenly Father, help us, help us to share that joy. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.